Good afternoon, my renegades. Welcome back to Rogue Radio. My name is Sarah Jane, and today we're going to be talking about numbers in the Bible. There is a thing called spiritual math, and I was—I am very interested in it. I actually get it more than real math, like human math. So we're going to get into that right now. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or concern, you can talk to me on Instagram at Rogue Radio 4, Rogue Radio 4 on Twitter, and Rogue Radio on YouTube. See you there. I would love to talk to you. Well, today I kind of was thinking about the numbers in the Bible and how a lot of numbers in the Bible repeat itself, like the number 40, the number 12, and I want to say, what's another one? The number 7, and we're going to talk about that and a few more numbers as well, and uh, I'm going to talk to you guys how I, you know, why I believe in that. Um, there is a belief out there it's called numerology where people will add up the numbers in their name and it will come down to a single number uh, between like one and nine and it's supposed to tell you about yourself and tell you who you really are and your purpose well I don't believe in numerology but I do believe that whatever Jesus anoints Satan perverts so whether or not numerology is a type of horoscope thing still remains to be seen. I haven't really been into it, but I do believe that there are meanings behind numbers and um, meanings behind names as well. So uh, I'll have to talk about the name one uh, next time, but um, because whenever I uh, read the Bible, I would read, I would read it and then I would like write the scripture down because me writing it down physically on a piece of paper helped me understand and break down the scriptures itself. And I did this so much to the point where I would, I would see math in the Bible. Um, see, God doesn't uh, do math like us. Um, all of our math is to find the problem or find um, the solution in, you know, whatever type of math that you're doing, um, which we don't use anymore except for in high school. I mean, you definitely just need simple math in order to uh, get by in life. But uh, yeah, but God does not count and God does not... Um, do his math the way that we do and I find that very amazing and it's incredible uh, what we don't see that God shows us and I, I've seen some people who believe that angels send people numbers and all of that stuff I mean if you believe that that's fine I do believe that angels have certain um, tasks and certain messages that are sent to us but I don't believe that we should be obsessed with the angels in heaven and not the creator in heaven. When someone is so obsessed, or not obsessed, when someone is so engrossed on, Oh, and the angel sent me this. It takes your focus off of Christ and it becomes a, um, not pagan, but more of a new agey type of belief and that's not what we want we want for those of you who are Christians and I know, I know some of you aren't that's fine um, I hope one day you do find God because he loves you but um, for those of you who are Christian Jesus does use numbers he uses numbers and he wants us to pay attention now, I'm gonna go with the number 12 right now, 
The number 12 is a very easy number. It is a very easy number to um, kind of talk about because the number 12 repeats itself so many times in the Bible. There's 12 tribes of Israel, there are 12 disciples, and there are 12 pillars and 12 layers of precious stone in heaven. And I have, I've looked this up, I've actually studied the number 12 because I was like, there's something about this number that I want to know. I was engrossed in, in finding out the meaning of the number 12. Because the number 12 is a holy number. Um, the number 12 means the, it's basically the foundation of the government of heaven. Now if you look back on Jesus picking 12 disciples, there were 12 tri tribes of Israel, and there are, the number 12 just keeps on popping up. I feel the reason why Jesus appointed 12 disciples and 12 tribes and 12 archangels and all of that is because I don't believe that heaven is just this one huge place to where everybody's going to be happy and everybody's going to praise God and it's going to be an amazing time. I don't just believe that. I believe that there are nations in heaven. I believe that there are tribes in heaven. I believe that there are angels appointed to protect those certain nations in heaven. It does say that Jesus will bring heaven and bring a new earth. He'll make a new heaven and a new earth after Jesus, the second coming of Christ. So why shouldn't heaven have nations, right? There's scriptures in the Bible that talk about heaven and how there are 12 pillars. There's 12 precious layers of stone, like precious stones, and each one of them has the name of the 12 disciples on it. At least I think so. Like I said in my last podcast, I'm very rusty at the Bible. Trust me, I'm working on it. But, um, number 12 is the building blocks of heaven and I find that very interesting and I I'm going to go to a website a Jewish website that talks about the number 12 in a minute okay this website is called grace in Torah and we're gonna read what they have um, found in the Bible with the number 12 so it says, perfect government, order, organization, united, perfect, and subdivisions of time. 12 hours in a day, 12 months in a year, and 12 primary constellations. And people, 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, and apostles. Okay, so there are 12 apostles. I wasn't sure of that. This demonstrates the holy people serving a holy God based on the creator's clock and calendar. Another thing that a lot of people don't realize is that when you are in heaven, it is a place of great work. It is not just a resting place. Um, it is a place that serves God. Um, Jesse Duplantis, one of my favorite um, and one of my dad's favorite preachers, he said that he went to heaven and back. And what he saw was that everybody was working hard, but they enjoyed it because they were serving God. And because I heard that sermon, I believe in what this person is writing right now on this website, that the number 12 is a, is a number of great work and perfection. Uh, the 12th Hebrew letter, Lamed, if I say any of these Hebrew uh, words wrong, please tell me because I love Israel and I just want to make sure I can respect it even in the words and pronunciation. Um, but anyway, Lamed is a numerical value of 30. 
pictographic meaning shepherds, hook, staff, teaching, learning, goading, protection, yoke, bind, um, infinitive prefix for verbs meaning to or for or belonging to. Foundations in the heavenly Jerusalem. There are 12 foundations in the heavenly Jerusalem. There are 12 gates and there are 12 pearls. Um, at the age 12, Yeshua, Jesus, first appears in public and engages in the teachers of Jerusalem. That's in Luke 4 or 2:42. He was at a bar he was at a bar mitzvah's age. Bar mitzvah, sorry. Um, so let's see. In Luke 8, a woman that had an issue of blood for 12 years touches Yeshua's um, robe. Uh, they, they say that it's um, his tassels or fringes is a Jewish word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. I'm sorry. Um, and she is healed. This has occurred while he was on his way to heal a 12-year-old girl. 2 times 10 equals 12. If we look at the ideal um, for numbers 2 and 10, then we can see that 12 is about a united and perfect congregation. Because 10, I guess, means congregation? I'd have to look at that too. Uh, 3 times 4 is 12. Again, looking at the ideal for numbers 3 and 4, we can see that when the seed um, is ripened uh, with the Holy Spirit, it re produces resurrection life and is powered by divine government. Um, Four is the number of divine government. Three is, um, it produces resurrection. Oh my God, I can't talk. Resurrection and life um, and ripened seeds. So three times four is 12. That's why they made that deduction. Two times six is 12. Um, if we review numbers two and six, 12 uh, will ideally picture a unified relationship which is number two. A unified relationship um, is the meaning of number two in the Bible because when two people are married, that is a perfect marriage, as a marriage that is um, holy unto God, a man and a wife. Um, that is serving in the image of Elohim. Elohim is God, Jesus. Um, so the Beast is being ruled by the two in one flesh of restored Adam, mankind. I'm not sure what that means, but multiples of 12, such as 24 and 114,000, will carry these same ideas. Okay, so that's the whole breakdown of the number 12. So we're going to do a fun one. We're going to do number 13 since 13 is a really unlucky number. So the number 13 nowadays has been correlated with witchcraft and paganism and bad luck. Friday the 13th apparently is a holiday for people who believe in superstition and throw salt over their shoulders and not own a black cat. All of that stuff. Um, it's not a good number to people in society. It's just not something that um, they want to talk about or they don't even want to... They don't like the number 13, basically. Um, it has been such a bad luck number for ages. Uh, I'm not sure where that comes from, but the number 13 is actually not... Um, uh, unlucky number of the Bible, and I'll tell you why in a minute. So, I researched the number 13 a while ago before I went on to Grace and Tura, and uh, it means the end of a cycle. It's a curse-breaking number. See, I feel that 
Whoever made 13 a bad luck number, they did not want to reveal the power of the number 13. Um, people argue that Mary Magdalene was the 13th uh, disciple because she followed Jesus. She followed with the disciples from time to time. And you'll see that in the Bible as well. Who was Mary Magdalene? Mary Magdalene was a harlot, um, to, to say it nicely. She was a woman who sold herself for money, sold her body. She defiled her own body um, and her own temple. But when she found Jesus, all of that um, came off of her. And she became so in love with Jesus. And the way I see Mary Magdalene is this woman was in a constant cycle of meeting men, having sex with them, getting money for it, and watching them leave. She was in that constant cycle of doing what she needed to do or what she believed that she could only do to get by. But when Jesus came, he ended that cycle. That's why I believe the number 13 is very significant in the Bible because of Mary Magdalene. I believe that she was the 13th disciple and I love her. <laughs> um, not only that, but she wholeheartedly followed Christ after that day. And she didn't go back to her old life. And I appreciate the number 13 for that. So we're going to go back to Grace in Torah. And hang on, let me... It's graceintorah.net. So if you want to do your own research about a certain number that you find lucky or unlucky or... Maybe you're born on that certain number or whatever. You can always go to this for Hebrew reference. Um, 13 is associated with covenant, love, unity, and eternity. It is the sixth prime number, so it will have some of the meanings, some of the same meanings as number six. So number six is um, the number of man. Uh, 13 has the stigma of being an unlucky number and this person who's writing this uh, says that they don't believe in luck or they, they don't believe that 13 only has negative connotations. So the idea that the number 13 is bad luck comes from pagan influences, like I said. Um, the Hebrew word for love, ahava, and oneness, iched. If I say this wrong, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm doing my best. Um, share the numerical value of 13. Thus, the one would expect that 13 linked with love and unity. Uh, however, on the negative side, there were there are connotations to the opposite of love, which is not hate, but apathy, indifference, and fear. So, 13, the 13th Hebrew love. Oh my gosh. The 13th Hebrew letter, oh my god, I can't talk today. The 13th Hebrew letter, mem, numerical value of 40, pictographic uh, meaning of water, chaos, immersion, womb, blood. Mem is the center of the Hebrew alphabet. Uh, shows the masculine plural. Uh, as a prefix is the preposition from out of or which or the means by which God expresses his glory with 13 attributes. Um, in Hebrew, um, the combined letters in the names of the three patriarchs, um, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, reduced to 13. Uh, in Hebrew, the combined letters of the names of the four matriarchs, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, reduced to 13. Leah, let's see. 13 is considered the age of youth for becoming, uh, 
bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, son and daughter of the commandments. There are 13 rules in the Torah of Torah interpretation in the Jewish her hermeneutics. I I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. There are 12 tribes of Israel. Oh my God. Yet there are 13 of one, if one counts Ephraim and Menasai instead of Joseph. There are 12 months, but occasionally there are, there is an added 13th month to keep the lunar solar Hebrew calendar in sync. Okay. There are 613 Torah commandments, 600 plus 13, 6, the number of a man made in the image of Elohim, and 13, the number of love. Truly, the commandments hang on one love. First, God, then your neighbor as yourself. The 13th chapter of... First Corinthians teaches about love. Oh, wow. I didn't... Oh, the, the love is patient, love is kind. Aw. Six plus seven is 13. The ideal number of six man expressing the image of God and sacrificial love added to the number seven divine rest, completeness, and reverence produces both love and unity. Okay, so that's where they... That, that's where this person got that deduction from, which is brilliant to me. Um, the negative side of six, man following the image of the beast, added to seven, one who separates and causes strife between brothers, produces rebellion, destruction, and apathy. It is fear-based rather than being rooted in perfect love. This is the best depicted by the seventh church of Revelation. The people lack love. They are apathetic, indifferent, or lukewarm. So it depends on your interpretation whether you want to... I guess it would necessarily pertain to the meaning of what you believe it is, um, the number 13. If you want to think negatively, you might actually think of it as a negative number, but I love it as a positive number of love, oneness, and unity. I love that. Next is number seven, and number seven is apparently the number of completion, and uh, there's seven days in the week, apparently seven. I've always been told that seven is a holy number. Um, I'm not sure how that kind of correlates to the Bible. Um, when I think of the number seven personally, I think of Veggie Tales just because uh, there was this story about Joshua and the Israelites marching around the walls of Jericho seven times. And because I thought of Veggie Tales, they actually covered that story in the kids show when I was really small. So yeah, so we're going to look into the number seven real quick. I'm learning just as much as you are. I'm learning right next to you, so... Yeah. Okay. According to Grace and Torah, which I have lost... Here it is. Uh, Shiva is the female... Is it the female? No. It's Shiva. Hebrew has genders, so... Um, females will say a certain word differently than a man, so... Shiva, I guess, is the female uh, term for seven. Shiva is the male. Um, if I'm wrong, please correct me. You know my platforms. Go ahead. I'm, I'm open to being taught a little bit more about Hebrew. But number seven uh, is rest, wholeness, completeness, being ripe, and order, stability, and holiness. Also, the number of the temple of Adonai's house. Well, I didn't know that. Uh, we rest uh, in the finished work of the Messiah. Okay, so yes, that is right. Jesus did rest on the seventh day after he created the world. Um, let's see. There are seven days of creation, seven days for temple dedication, seven spirits of God, seven 
feasts of God, seven churches or assemblies in Revelation, seven stars in Yeshua's hand. Oh my God, I didn't know that. Um, seven golden lampstands, seven seals, seven trumpets, seven bowls, seven thunders that speak, seven eyes of the Lord, seven horns and eyes on the Lamb, seven abominations, wicked lamp spirits. Um, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, had seven daughters. Uh, Joshua had the people along with seven priests march around Jericho um, before the ark for seven days. Um, on the seventh day, seven priests blowing seven shofarim along with the people circled the city seven times. Um, on the seventh circuit of shofars sounded a long and the people shouted and the walls fell. Okay, so that was basically the, the story of how Jericho fell. Okay, Samson had seven locks of hair in which were the source of his strength, the Holy Spirit. Elijah sent his servant to look for the indication of rain seven times. See, I didn't know that. So, okay, my husband, before I go any farther, because it talks about two Elishas, but there's like two ways that you say this name. And there's two people in the Bible that actually have this name. And I got so confused because if you haven't realized that the Bible does repeat like certain names, it's because it's common. It was common in that age to be named Elijah or Sarah or Abraham. So there were different like variations of that name. So Elijah, Elijah, um, is the prophet that, um, confronted Jezebel. Elisha is the man that um, told the leper to dip his body in the lake seven times. So Elisha and Naaman uh, wash in the Jordan seven times to be cured of leprosy. Elisha laid upon a dead boy. He sneezed seven times and rolled. <laughs> Um, listen, um, me and my husband were talking about this. There are certain things in the Bible that just make me laugh. It's not because I think it's, um, stupid. I don't think it's stupid, but I think it's kind of funny how God has his own sense of humor. Because I feel like if there are, like, two main things in the Bible that make me laugh uncontrollably, I don't know why. I don't know why. Actually, there's three. So... Um, the first one is when Jesus casts the legion of demons out of the man and casts them into the pigs. And the reason why I kind of laugh at that is because, you know, you don't think that a demon would want to be in a pig, you know, but the pigs killed themselves and they threw themselves over the cliff and into the water. And, um, so... That kind of makes me laugh just because I feel like God, Jesus has a sense of humor. We don't realize that. Um, and because it's in the Bible, it's a whole lot more memorable than someone laying hands on, on somebody when we read the Bible. Um, there's always been something very strange and something very um, unusual about Jesus healing people. Um, Jesus spat in his hands and rubbed mud on um, the man's eyes in order to heal him from blindness. And I don't think it's just because, like, God is ridiculous. Like, he thinks that this is just a game. I don't think that's what God thinks. But I do think that when Jesus, when God makes us do crazy things, it tests our faith. So when Elijah laid upon the boy or laid upon the man, um and sneezed seven times. This is all to uh, show Elisha's faithfulness because this person was dead. 
and why I laugh at it because it just, it sounds so ridiculous, but I think the reason why God made it look ridiculous is to show us that even though we do some crazy things, God is still faithful. And um, that's why I laugh at it because it's like, that's that's really funny. That's really interesting. Like, uh, the last one was, I know I talked about this in my favorite people in the Bible where Paul gets beaten to a pulp in a sack, gets stoned and left for dead, but he gets up and walks away like nothing happens. That's God's, that's our faith in God. Because when we have enough faith to be willing to do crazy and ridiculous things, we're unstoppable. And there's no limit to what God can do through us when we obey the most ridiculous things (laughs) that God, um, you know, wants us to do. So, uh... King Joash, jo- I want to say King Josh, but that's not it. It's Joash, I think, began to reign at age seven. Oh my goodness, he's young, and began to rebuild the temple of Yahweh. Um, King Hezekiah uh, re- reinstated the observance of Passover, the first feast, and unleavened bread, seven-day festival. Um, let me just say that I love Jewish culture because they, I I don't mean to say this in, in stereotyping anybody. I do mean this wholeheartedly. Jewish people know how to party. Okay. They're, they, no, their parties and their celebrations do not just last like one day. They last seven days. A marriage, like a, um, like a, when someone gets married and their reception, their reception lasts three days. I mean, that's amazing. I, I find that really cool. <laughs> but um, the people were so excited they celebrated an additional seven days. Pure white light refracts into seven colors. Iris, prism, rainbow. Interesting. Why did he put that in there? Um... On day seven of creation, God rested from his work. He set the seventh day apart as holy and gave it a name, Sabbath, or Sabbath. Um, Seven transcends the natural and moves into the supernatural. We begin every week and every day as the day begins at sunset by resting. Uh, first we rest the finished work of God, then we go to work, perform God's deeds, or perform good deeds. Um, this has been God's pattern from the very beginning. Okay. Six is the revealed creation of the physical world, seven or Sabbath, um, reveals the spiritual within the physical the sabbath the sabbath sorry seven uh exposes the spirit that moves inside the physical garment of the six according to the ancient uh near nearester i don't know how to say that um culture i think it said near eastern culture um and Understanding of the cosmos, the this includes ancient Israel. Seven was the normal operation and order of God's house, temple. Um, thus, all the sevens in the Bible have to do with temple building, um, inauguration, and a dedication. Obviously, uh, the negative side of this is wickedness and destroys this imagery, this imagery. Um, for example, seven days of creation are seven days of temple dedication with Sabbat or Sabbath, um, meaning the inauguration or rest. In this case, the Sabbath, 
signifies the creator's rule of heaven and earth and his temple. Presence being the ultimate means of stability and order in the world. In other words, the completeness pictured in the number seven is qualified um, in by the temple. I, I can't pronounce any of those, um, but sorry. It said seven is qualified in Anne thought by temple. I, I have no idea what that means. Um, building dedication and inauguration without the temple, God's rule, there's chaos and lack of order in the world. Um, what did I do? <laughs> lack of order in the world. <sighs> Knowing this should broaden our perspective on the perspective the spiritual implication of the number seven. For more information, see Dr. Dinah Dye's book. Okay. Seventh Hebrew letter, Zion, numerical value of seven. Pictographic meaning plowshare, weapon, sword, to arm, to adorn, to cut, to feed, to um, and complete. The first verse of the Bible has seven Hebrew words with 28 or four times seven letters. Um, blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat seven times. On Yom Kippur, which I think is another Jewish holiday or Jewish day. Um, that's Leviticus 16:14, And then blood of the chetat, sin, offering was sprinkled before the veil of seven times. Leviticus 9.17 um, It takes seven days to atone for the altar and to purify it. Exodus 29.37 and Ezekiel 43.26 um, Seven of the Ten Commandments are negative and begin with the Hebrew uh, lo or no or not in this thou shalt not okay um seven weeks sometimes seven are counted to get uh to shavuot pentecost likewise sometimes seven years counted to reach a yovel or jubilee year okay each of these seven year bundles are a Shemitah year or a year of release. Wisdom of seven pillars, um, Proverbs 9, 1. Seven loaves fed 4,000 with seven baskets left over. Matthew uh, 15, 32-39. We must forgive our brothers and sisters seven times, seven times. What, isn't it 70 times 7 times? Um, that's Matthew 18.21 and Luke 17.4. Mary Magdalene had seven evil spirits cast from her. Mark 16.9, uh, Proverbs 6.16-19. Uh, seventh feast, Sukkot. Temp- t- if I say any of these Hebrew names or the Hebrew words wrong, please forgive me. Um, Tabernacles, Leviticus 23. Um, seventh Spirit of God, Yirat Adonai, fear, reverence of God, um, is 11 to Seventh Church of Revelation, Laodicea. Uh, meaning justice or vengeance of the people. Negative side, one who vows discord or strife among brothers tearing down at the house. The opposite of restoration and rest, chaos in the house and in relationships becoming wholly wicked. Proverbs 6, 16-19. Destroying God's temple or house. Uh, destroying creation and order, stability and life. Rejecting the kingdom and Yahweh Yeshua as king. A uh, cup of iniquity, abominations, and wickedness becoming full, which results in destruction. The harlot in the book of Revelation oh, resides 
as a scarlet beast or rides a sorry rides a scarlet beast see number six that seven that has seven heads oh goodness gracious she is the epitome of one ruled by an image of the beast created on day six the lusts of the flesh wow um the beast is red like esau the beast has ten horns uh which we will get into ten at some other point um we're not going to do all the numbers at once but this is going to be a continuing series um which denotes a completely wicked assembly instead of holding the holy sabbat or sabbath um i hope i said that right i probably didn't seven kiddush kiddush cup oh my goodness uh she has a cup full of abominations. Proverbs uh, 6, 16 through 19. So what they're talking about with um, the the wicked uh, meanings of the number seven, it basically means the exact opposite of what it would mean as if it were holy. So, um, and what the reason why um, Joshua and his crew decided to... (laughs) Uh, walk around Jericho seven times is because they would not repent of um, their sins. So in Jericho, they were doing some really awful things. They were doing very abominable things. There was a lot of abomination and lust and all that stuff. And um, Jesus or God, you know, was telling Joshua, you need to go over there and tell them what's up. You need to tell them like, hey, listen, this isn't okay. So you better repent or God's going to tear down your city. And so, of course, Jericho did not do it. And then they walked around seven times and then uh, shouted at the wall and then everything fell. And that's another crazy, ridiculous thing that God kind of tells his people to do. And that's to for God to make a statement. Like, you're not going to mess with me. You're not going to be the boss of my land. You're not going to be that way in in his territory. Um, so that's why I really like, I like the number seven. That, that was a lot of information. Radio will be right back after this message. You know the drill. Okay, the next one is number three. Um, number three, uh, you know, Jesus rose from the grave after three days. Um, what else? The Godhead has three in one, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, There's a lot that correlates to number three, and uh, we're going to learn today. You and me, we're going to learn about the number three in the Bible. So three, or shilosh, if you're a female and and you're talking Hebrew, um, or shilosha, um, if you're a male, like I said, Hebrew has gender. So, um, so there's three seeds, trees, fruit in Revelation. I don't know. Oh, wait, no. This is what it means. Seeds, trees, fruit, revelation, resurrection, gathering, balance, equilibrium, pattern, counsel, witness, and strength in new life. Sprouting resurrection, faithfulness. Words of life, counsel, unity, the giving of the Torah and the spirit and the foundation of the temple and the house are all signified by the number three. Three brings harmony and unity to opposites like one and two. Three creates a solid or a foundation that makes the first geometric shape the triangle. 
which to me has always been a very evil shape for some because it correlates to the Illuminati but that like I always say what God anoints Satan perverts so the sequence of the three makes a chain of continuity uh, three patriarchs three pilgrimage festivals third day three primary oh my gosh three primary manifestations of the Godhead three uh, three ply cord three witnesses three kings of United Israel Israel goodness gracious um, primary min- missionary journeys of Sh- Paul okay Three Woes of Judgment, Book of Revelation, in the tradition, Moses ascended and descended Mount Sinai three times. Okay. Moses was the third child of his family. His name is often an idiom of the Torah law, which was given in month three of Sivan. Um, Oh, three or Sivan. Okay. I, I don't know. Uh, God gave the Israelites three days to prepare themselves to receive the Torah. That's in Exodus 19. Um, The tree of life is an idiom for the Torah in Judaism. Uh, The spindles that hold the sacred scroll are called trees of life. And each parchment is called a leaf or trees were created on the day three of creation. Okay, okay. And uh, I guess that's in, there's a lot there. Psalm 119 through nine, 119, 92 through 94, 119, 174 through 176, Proverbs 3, 18, Matthew 19, 16 through 17, John 1, or is it first John? 1 John 1 through 5, 546. 1 John uh, 2, 3 through 5. Oh my goodness, that was a lot. Um, Messiah was in the grave for three days and three nights after dying on the tree of a creation of day three. He died on a cross, but yeah, died on a tree. We, we've heard that before in uh, like... In songs and stuff like that. So, sign of Jonah and resurrection seeds were also created by on the day three of creation. Um, Mashis, please be patient me with me as I um, try to pronounce this. Mashi, Mashiach, is the seed of the woman. Um, that will overcome the seed of the serpent. Genesis 3.15 The word of God is likened to a seed. Luke 8.11 Third Hebrew letter, Gimel, numerical value of three, pictographic meaning to ripen, reward, nourish, mature, recompense, benefit, foot, and camel, There are three pilgrimage festivals, uh, which are literally foot festivals. What does that mean? Uh, Matzah, Shavuot, and Sukkot. I I feel like a fool trying to pronounce all of these Hebrew uh, words, and I'm really sorry. On day three of creation, the waters are gathered together. Dry land appears, and the first seeds, plants, and trees spring to life. Third feast, Yom Habikram. I think I said that right. Early first fruits of barley, Leviticus 23. Third spirit of God, Etza, council, is 11.2, or Isaiah 11.2. Um, root of Etza is Etz, a tree. Um, third church of revelation um, pergamum meaning height or elevation negative signs um, hands that shed innocent blood deeds that tear down instead of 
ones that gather and build, sowing seeds of death and discord, Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. It's important to note that hands shedding innocent blood is the is also figurative. Uh, when we speak slander or even the truth in anger, our words can cause major destruction and damage, which is something personal, which I, it's kind of interesting that I read that. I have a mouth, as you know, and um, I'm glad that I heard that. I'm glad that I read that because it is something that personally I need to work on. You know, I, I cuss like a sailor on my podcast and I do my best not to do that anymore. Um, I'm trying to be better at that. There are times when I get passionate about a certain issue and I say the wrong thing or I have to kind of step back and just kind of collect my thoughts before I go any farther. And even passion in the right place can be said the wrong way. And um, that's something that in my life I have to correct. I have to say things with tact. I have to say things with um, better vocabulary, I should say, not using uh, terrible words in order to describe something that I'm passionate about talking about and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. But I, I do thank all my listeners from all the 11 countries that are listening. You've, you kind of stuck by me, and I, I appreciate you. So, um, anyways... Words have the power to shed innocent blood and strangle the life out of another person. This is the antithesis, anti, antithesis to the third spirit of God. I think it's antitheist, but uh, counsel. Hence, the wicked counsel is hands shed and innocent blood. The fruit and seeds from our lips, pens and keyboards, oh, okay, should be pure, not poison. That's really cool that he put it in here, um, that even your pen and even what you, like, write or type is also a seed that you plant. So whenever, um, you speak to someone, even if you're angry or even, like I said, even if, um, your passion that God put, like you have the right passion, but it's put in the wrong place. Oh no. You have the right passion that's put in the right place, but you say it the wrong way can have a negative impact on people. So that that's why certain people are called as prophets, pastors, and preachers, and all of that stuff, because Jesus has conditioned them um, in order to make them better speakers to the people who need to hear the word of God. And I know that's controversial because yes, there are some false prophets. There are some false evangelists. There are some false preachers and pastors out there. There have been plenty of pastors out there that are not of God. And that's where our discernment comes in to where we, God shows us the separates like the sheep from the goats basically um so yeah um but as far as when it comes to people who are called to speak god jesus kind of has to um teach them how to speak because like i said sometimes people's mouths can run away with them and they say the wrong thing and then somebody gets upset or it could stay with them in a negative way and it might actually hurt them more than help them. So, um, yeah. Waters are gathered and dry land appears on day three. Oh, what are we talking about? Oh, Noah, I think. And with dry land, seeds, trees, and fruits spring forth. Thus, the dividing and separating of day two is ideally to promote gathering, stability, and growth. Thus, three is the foundation of the house or temple. 
just as trees put down roots deep into the soil for strength. I like that. Nourishment and stability. Also, we too anchor ourselves in three. One way that this manifests is in our hope. Because Messiah has resurrected on the third day, we have hope for our own future resurrection. Because he is the early first fruits, third feast, unto God, we also have hope to be counted as his first fruits. 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 28. I liked that. That was interesting. The house tabernacle temple has three primary sections. I'm learning a lot about Judaism today. Uh, I'm loving it. <laughs> um, the, the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place. I think... Before I talk, I think I know what they're talking about, um, because I've read in the Bible that back in the day when the temples were open to people, and um, I want to say the Pharisees, but um, I know Pharisees now have kind of like a negative connotation in the Bible now, but um, with the priests and stuff. So I want to say from what I've read the most holy place is this small section in the tabernacle where everything was kind of separated by a veil or a curtain um, in this room. So the entrance was covered by a curtain or a veil and that's very important because um, the curtain represents the separation between God and man. and Back in that time, you had to go to the temple to be purified of your sins. Now, when Jesus died and resurrected on the third day, well, when Jesus died, he sent up the third spirit, the, the Holy Spirit. That was the third spirit. That was the third uh, manifestation of Christ. So if you want to go into the other two, which we all know is God and the Father, God created earth. Jesus saved man, the Holy Spirit is there to help man. So when Jesus died on the cross, he offered up the Holy Ghost. And after that happened, the veil was torn. And it wasn't just the, the, um, the meaning between the separation of God and man. The literal curtain, the veil that separated God and man was torn in the tabernacle. And that, I feel, is very, very important because we didn't necessarily have to go to a church anymore. I mean, I'm not saying that church isn't important. Of course it is. I'm saying that we didn't have to go to a priest anymore to have our sins removed from our lives. We had a direct connection to Jesus and to God in order to have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ after he let the Holy Spirit in our lives, those who accepted Christ. So, um, I found that really interesting, but we're going to keep going. It was separated by three sections, the outer court, the holy place, and the most holy place. Thus, the number three teaches about the three levels of holiness in which Yahweh dwells among his people, each more intimate than the other. Okay. Uh, within the holy place, there are three pieces of furniture, the menorah, the table of shrew, or shoe bread, sorry, um, and the altar of incense. And the, on a daily basis, this is as intimate as one can be. The menorah is the light and the tree of life. It is fueled by a precious oil of the Holy Spirit. The table of presence, um, literally the bread of faces, 12, has 12 loaves, one for each tribe of Israel. I like that. I, I don't remember hearing that when we covered 12. Um, one for each tribe of Israel. They remain in Yahweh's presence all week and are refreshed every Sabbath. Okay. Clearly... These loaves, which come from the grains created on day three, 
are the good seeds of Torah that live in all Israel. Um, they are a memorial of his word to his people. Uh, they also recall the double portion of manna, heavenly bread, um, given on day six so that, or so one can rest on the seventh day um, as God commanded. The altar of incense is the closest piece of furniture to the most holy place. Its fragrance and covering cloud of sweet-smelling smoke is indicative of prayers continually ascending to the throne of Adonai. So, that is another piece of information that also is in the Bible. Um, I know the Torah and the Bible have their similarities and differences, but... Um, in the Bible, it literally says that, um, it says that when our prayers are, when they go up to heaven, it's like a sweet smell that Jesus or that God smells. It's pleasing to God when we pray. So God literally breathes in our prayers. That's amazing. I love that. It's like, it's like us. Um, even our words are incense to Christ. So think about it. If, um, you say something terrible to God, that's a foul smell, isn't it? That's a foul smell. Or, um, even if like our own words to each other are foul smelling to God, you know, when we pray, it is this sweet smelling incense that God breathes in. I find that beautiful. Notice that all three pieces of furniture in the holy place involve foodstuffs or fuel that are derived from the plant life created on the third day. I like that so much. Let's see. Peter sees a vision in Acts 10 of a sheet that descends from heaven three times. Heavenly witness. Um, He would soon meet three Gentile men, and Peter wasn't to think of them as something unclean or unfit. Peter explained in his own vision, which had nothing to do with food or God changing his law or holy word. And those can be found in Acts 10.28, Malachi, is it Malachi 3.6, Matthew 5, 17 through 20 in the natural. Peter was hungry when he had his heavenly vision. The men that were coming to him were spiritually hungry for the message that Peter had for them. Acts 10, 33 through 48. Um, in his discourse to those hungry for the words of life, he mentions that he is a witness to the third day resurrection for a more in-depth... Okay, then they're talking about, like, um, a, <laughs> a book that you can reference. Uh, it's called Peter, Peter's Vision Beacon or Bacon, okay, by Dr. Robin Gould. That's interesting. Um, I love to read, so I might get one of these books and start reading it. So, yeah... Unfortunately, I was going to do two more numbers, but since it's been taking so long to teach and and read all of it, I have to start dinner and everything. So I will see you guys later in the next um, God's Math series, which will be part two. Um, But thank you. I just found out that I've reached 11 countries um, on Spotify And I'm really happy about that. I I love each and every one of you who do listen. I appreciate all of you. You are in my prayers all the time. And I I love that you take out some time from your day and listen to me, who is 
imperfect in every way. I'm not that good of a Christian sometimes, but I really appreciate and love that you listen. And I'm very humbled by that. And I never thought that my podcast would reach 11 countries. I mean, that's not a lot, but yet I'm still very grateful because I just started this um, early, early in the year. And I reached 11 countries. You know, you, you don't think that someone who is unpopular as I am would reach that many countries. And I'm really happy about that. So um, to all of you that are listening around the world, God bless you. I hope you have a great day. I'm praying for you all the time. Thank you very much. Bye.